Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Thinking about a song and it ends in sleep and heavenly peace. Sleeping Heavenly Peace started out as just a, just a family Christmas project. We were just going to do, and we started out the first couple of years, we just did one build at Christmas time. That's what it was going to be. How many, how many beds do you think that you've made in those 10 years? A little over 130,000. Holy cow. If you want true joy, you got to stop looking at yourself and find a way to help someone else. It's how can common ground make a difference? Each of us need to, to buy a bed. First of all, guys, I'm a farm kid from Idaho. Right, I, you know, I'm I'm a nobody here that that happened to stumble across a need, and and uh, I developed a passion for what I saw um, and how to solve that. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black. And there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one. A token black person? And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just say thank you as we just continue to give thanks. Many times we come to you asking for something or complaining about something or murmuring about something. But this morning, we want to say thank you. Just thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the thousand points of life that we still find individuals like our guest today who still believe, who still feel that he, she is their brother's keepers. So God, thank you for the grace and mercy that we need to continue day to day. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... Uh... Thank you for um, the diversity in your ministries, how you put on people's hearts, uh, how to serve you, how to serve other people. And uh, today, our guest, Luke, uh, with uh, Sleep and Heavenly Peace, is a ministry that uh, he started, and we'll hear the story. But uh, it, you put it on his heart, and uh, it has grown significantly. And uh, Lord, we just... Thank you for lifting those folks up and uh, and other people that may be listening to the podcast. If God is tugging at your heart, step in that space and trust the Lord and do the next thing. Amen. I just want to say how grateful I am to be here. And, and I pray that uh, our Father in heaven is listening. I know he is. Um, and I know he's blessed many lives um, uh, through touching people's hearts. And, and helping them see that we are our brother's keeper 
And much like the Good Samaritan, um, no matter the station in life, if, if we have an opportunity to help, um, we extend that help um, and receive the blessings from that. And um, I'm just grateful that we have an opportunity to extend this same shout out, the same call to people that might be listening to this podcast. And we pray that um, you touch their lives um, and their hearts as you have so many, so we can help so many more. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, Odell, how you doing this morning? Bill, you know, I was sitting here doing great, just thinking about a song, and it ends in sleep and heavenly peace. You know, sleep and heavenly peace. Now, you know, I'm not a singer. My job, my gift is to be a good-looking <laughs> black man, not, not, not some of the things. But, you know, in many of our houses of worship, we sing that song. You know, we sleep in heavenly peace. We sing it, we memorize it, we talk about it, but do we really understand it? And here we are today with an opportunity to understand what it really means, Bill. You know, I think, I think isn't that the part of Silent Night? Did I get that right, Bill? Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Okay. It, uh, it's a famous line, sleep in heavenly peace. And I, I never gave it much thought. Uh, it, what it meant uh, until uh, we had a, a, our guest uh, who I saw on, I think it was CBS morning show a couple Sundays ago and he was being interviewed. And I said, boy, wouldn't it be great to have him on our show. And so we researched his website. We got in touch with the right people. And all of a sudden now he's going to be our guest today. Bill, you know, let's introduce Luke and all the things that he's doing, because it's amazing how someone can take a passion and see something, see something. You know, we always say, see something, say something. How about see something, do something? We usually have this thing, what would Jesus do? That was a big deal. I don't know if we still do that now, but that was a big deal a couple of years back. What would Jesus do? Well, you know, what did Luke do, though? That, that's, that's the question. What did Luke do? Let's bring Luke on, Bill, to find out what Luke did and why. Uh, that's a great idea. Hey, Luke, welcome to the show. <laughs> wow, thank you, guys. That was a that's quite the introduction. That's uh, <laughs> Odell. You don't don't put me too high up there, brother. <laughs> hey, Luke, you have more hair than all of us, man. You already yeah. won the prize. My Afro <laughs> went a long time ago. Oh shoot! <laughs> no, I appreciate. It. I'm a, I'm honored to be on the show and and uh, to share. You know share some insights. So again, hopefully we can come across um, this, this subject with reverence to how important we really feel um, child bedlessness is and, and the problems that we need to solve here and how we can do it together. And, and yeah, so I'm excited. Luke, t- take a minute and tell our, our listening audience your ministry and how, how you got into it. I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, it was on CBS uh, morning show. Oh man, I don't know. It's been on so many other shows. Okay, you've been interviewed been, by a lot of people. Been quite a few, yeah. Um, you know the the craziest. I, first of all, guys, I'm a farm kid from Idaho, right? I, you know, I'm I'm a nobody here that that happened to stumble across a need and and uh, I developed a passion for what I saw um, and how to solve that. And those two passions, and and, and as well as rubbing shoulders with people with with very similar passions. Those three things combined make life, my job, everything so amazing. Um, 
And, and, and really the short story is, and I'll sum this up quickly. I know we don't have a lot of time, but in 2012, <clears throat> I was, a I was a basically what's called a, a young men's president. Um, a lot of people know him as maybe a youth minister or something like that, right. where I was responsible for the spiritual and growth and the activity arm of the church for the young men's program, ages 12 to 17, 18, something like that. Well, the activity arm of this uh, of the of the church was the Boy Scout program. So I was over all the Boy Scout leaders, and then I was a venture scout leader, which was over the older boys. But we had about oh, I don't know, fifteen or so um, uh, Boy Scouts throughout the program. And in our leadership meetings in the church, we I, I discovered or we talked about a family that we were helping, and one and one need was uh, the kids didn't have any beds. And it was really odd to me that that, that was even a thing. You know, uh, uh, I at first thought maybe it's just they had crappy beds and we needed, you know, they just need to get them replaced. And, and when I found out, no, they actually have been sleeping on the floor for quite a while. <clears throat> I knew something inside me just said, that's, that's ridiculous. We, we got to do something about this. And so when I met with the boys, um, you know, I kind of brought it to their attention, thought, you know, let's get some ideas from these kids. You know, and these are 12, 13, 14 year old kids that, uh, <clears throat> you know, would much rather go play Xbox than sit around a meeting at church. <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting. You know, they came up with some ideas. Let's go buy a bed. We'll get one donated, blah, blah, blah. You could see kind of their excitement start peaking. Well, then the thought came to me and uh, I'm not a woodworker by any means. In fact, it's probably an insult to woodworkers across the country to call me one, <laughs> but I was no stranger to a tool. You know, um, I, I didn't have many, actually, my wife had more of the tools than I did. So I had to borrow her tools. <laughs> I don't like to tell people that story. About it, but anyway. <laughs> were they, were they pink Luke? Were they uh, uh, Bill? You brought that out. This is the first time I have to admit a few of them may have been pink. <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, oh, my goodness. Anyways, we, uh, you know, a thought came to me and said, here's a chance to take these boys. Let's get an Xbox controller out of their hands. Let's get them out from behind a screen and let's put a drill in it and let's put a hammer in it. And let's put a, some sandpaper. In it. You know, let's teach these kids a skill. And so I thought I was going to be, you know, faced with some some kickback from these boys. But the, the few, three, four nights that week where we had the boys come over to my garage and we start building this bed, you could just see their, their excitement grow. And more and more come, came every day. You know, pretty soon by the end of it, we had almost the whole the troop there and, and uh, older and younger kids helping out. And the, I think it was a Saturday, if I recall, um, we did the delivery. Now I stayed home cause I had to clean my garage cause it was a mess, <laughs> but, um, the leaders and the parents of these kids, uh, you know, they took, they took a bunch of stuff over food and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, the main thing was to bring these, these, these kids some beds and the next day at church, I just heard how amazing it was. And I felt, I felt pretty jealous about <laughs> missing out on that opportunity, but I heard it was so neat. And, and, and over the next few days, you know, it was, it was coming close to Christmas and my kids, they were pretty young at the time. My, my boy was only about 10 years old and I had a daughter that was, you know, five or six and then a one-year-old. And I remember <clears throat> sitting on the couch, I'd been kind of down in the dumps a little bit with my job. I was going through a little bit of a faith crisis myself. Um, and, and 
and it was Christmas time. So of course my kids were complaining about the toys that they knew dad wasn't going to get them. <laughs> We've all been there. Right. 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 And, and here I was guys, I just had this amazing experience. I heard about these kids. We, it was such a, such an amazing feeling to know that you could help and solve a problem like that. And then here's my own kids complaining. Right. So I just, I got up off the couch and started walking to the garage and, and I remember uh, my wife at the time was cooking dinner and kind of asked, well, where are you going? I said, you know what, I'm going to go build another bed and my, my kids are coming to help me. Sure. And so we went out and built another bunk bed and uh, of course had a super fun experience. I mean, the, the kids loved it. My daughter was, I got pictures of her, you know, I'm holding the drill, helping her drill uh, screws in and my son's that sanding. I mean, it was just a really neat experience, but now I had this bed and I had no idea what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I didn't know I wanted it to give, give it to a family and uh, for, for, for a child um, mainly. And so um, my, I, I posted it on Facebook that, you know, Hey, here's this bed. It's a family Christmas project. We'd like to give it to a child that's in need. Does anybody know of a child that's in need? Now I kind of expected to be inundated with all sorts of, you know, people wanting a free bed and although we did get some of that, the shocking thing was I had more people interested in seeing how they could help out. Now, maybe they thought or they'd seen child bedlessness before. I had never. I hadn't seen it. Um, but I just I just remember going, my gosh, there's a lot of people that want to help. Maybe we could do more. But really, the big kicker for me was um, I, had a I had a friend of mine um, <clears throat> who I served a mission with um, years and years ago, and she she calls me up and she says, Hey, I have a family. It's a six-year-old girl been living with her mom in the backseat of her car since she was born. Sure. We just got a house. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, wait a minute, Luke. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait <laughs> one minute. You have to say that again, because what you just stated, a lot of Christians, Bill, we can't fathom that. So can you please restate that for our audience, please? Absolutely. I call it my Haley story because it was so special to me. It was my first delivery. Haley was a six-year-old girl that had been sleeping in the backseat of her mom's car since she was born. You know, once in a while they had friends that they could go couch dive on or something like that. But, you know, the mom was struggling, um, obviously. And, uh, and she actually had another daughter I never did meet. Um, but uh, the conditions of this child um, you know, and that's some of the heartbreak that we see all the time is these, these children are in these, these conditions, not because of their choices, right? You know, and it's in a lot of cases, not even because of the mom or dad's choice, um, initially, but, um, but certainly not the child's choice. So when I first met Haley, they had just found a house. They just got a house, um, through some government assistance programs. But, but guys, I walked into this house and there was nothing in the house. There, the, only, the only furniture, if I can paint this for everybody, the only piece of furniture in this house was a milk carton that had a hot plate sitting on it with a can of soup. And wow. I think it had a spoon in it. That's, that's it. There was, there was no table, couch, TV, pictures on the wall, refrigerator, I mean, nothing, nothing. Yet this little... Haley, this little six-year-old girl was so excited to show us her bedroom. She'd never had one before. Wow. You know, and so here we walk, we walk in the back. She had no idea why we were there, but we walk in the back room to, to, to her bedroom. And you can imagine, I mean, it was 
you know, holes in the carpet and the, the walls were, you know, had cracks in them and, and at least, but it was a bedroom, you know, and, and she had a closet that had a bunch of no, no doors on the closet, but had a bunch of used Barbie dolls and toys and stuff in there that obviously she'd been given. But the biggest thing and the most impactful thing that I saw, and I saw it immediately. <laughs> I can't tell the story. Um, was in the corner of her bedroom was a stack of clothes. And that was a nest that she had created so she could sleep. Wow. So Haley would come home from school. She would take her school clothes off. She'd sleep on her school clothes. And then in the morning, reverse her school clothes, you know, put her, put her pajamas down and put her school clothes on and go to school. And <laughs> it was just, I'd never seen that. You know, I'd seen homelessness before. I'd seen poverty before. But man, when you see it through the eyes of a child um, and, and then knowing that that child is there, not because of anything that they have done, it, it just broke me. Um, and, I was, you know, I was fighting all these tears and but I was excited at the same time to bring Haley her first first ever bed, six years old. Mm. And you could see as we started bringing in these pieces and putting them together, she was starting to see what was going on and realize what it was. And she just got so excited she started hugging us, <clears throat> hugging the bed. She started kissing the bed. And I always tell people I've never seen a, you know, a child kiss a bed before. It's, it was amazing. <clears throat> and then to, to, if that wasn't, <laughs> if that wasn't enough to, to, to change my heart, I look over and here's mom, you know, six years of struggle, worry, you know, um, stress, concern, just tears pouring down her face. And you could tell, that this meant way more to her <laughs> almost than it did to Haley. And, <clears throat> and I remember thinking right then, this is way more, this is way more than just bringing a child to bed. This is way more than a good night's sleep. You know, this is bringing confidence, security, stability um, to a parent that has probably stressed about it her whole life. And, um, you know, and I had a daughter very close to the same age and it just, oh man, it just got me. In fact, we had about a half hour ride home and we really didn't say much to each other. I was with, um, you know, my buddy and and uh, I just remember thinking, you know, for the couple of hours that I took my family, my boy, my, my kids and built, you know, a couple hours a night that week, each, you know, three, four, three, four nights or so to build that bed and to solve that problem. That was well worth my time. And then and all of a sudden, you know, fishing and hunting and college football, Saturday mornings, and all, it just didn't seem like it was that big of a deal anymore to me, you know, and right then, you know, my heart changed. And I said to myself, no kid is going to sleep on the floor in my town if I had anything to do with it. And, and that motto now is our mission. And the sad thing is, I really, <laughs> I really felt like Number one, I didn't know that the problem was so big. So I really felt like I could tackle the, you know, the, the 20 or 30 kids in my community that had a problem. <laughs> no, it's um, rough estimate and rough meaning there are no statistics ever done on this subject, by the way. No statistics whatsoever, only what we have kind of put together over the last 10 years. And it's greater than 3% of the population. And I live in a community of about 80,000 people. So there was almost 3,000 kids sleeping on the floor. And I quickly realized, okay, this is much larger than what one guy or one family can do. And so uh, 
that's how that's how we started it. And and sleep in heavenly peace is you know it was Christmas time and everybody loves Silent Night. It's one of my favorite songs. You know, and it just really, it just, in fact, the funny story is my wife at the time said, well, you got to name this something. We were posting on Facebook help and, and whatnot. I said, I got a great name for it. How about beds for babes? (laughs) That's not a very good Google search, by the way. (laughs) No, no, that's not a good Google Uh, search. Not that I would know, uh, not that Bill would know. Yeah. Yeah. Not what Bill would know. No, we, uh, and 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 I said, well, what do you call it then? And she says, well, how about sleep in heavenly peace? And you know, it was Christmas time. It was it said exactly what we wanted. We wanted these kids to sleep in heavenly peace, and uh, and that's what we're, that's what we're hoping to to provide for them. So so Luke, I, I'm taking away besides this incredible story, two things that your wife played an important part: giving you pink tools. And give you the name for your ministry. That's right. You need to keep her around. <laughs> oh yes, you know it's a, it's a, it's a great the the experience. And and I'm just one guy of hundreds, over three hundred chapter presidents that we have trained now that will all tell you the exact same story in their own experience. Um, you know, most of the people that we train, most of these these chapter presidents, probably safe to say almost all of them, when they come to training, um, they talk about how they've, they've never knew that this was a big problem. In fact, some of them, when they, when they want to start a chapter, they do their own research because they don't believe that this is a problem. And when I used to tell people, hey, this is, this is what Sleeping Emily Peace does, I usually got two, two uh, comments. The first comment is, it, well, is it really that big of a need? Is it really there that many kids? And and the answer to that is a very obvious yes. I mean, it's more than than they would even fathom. It's more than than I ever fathomed. And the second question is, or the second comment is, well, but not in my town, right? You know, I I don't live in you know in third world countries or or really poverty stricken areas. And I look at them and I say, I promise you, you know, next door. You got you got a kid or a family somewhere where kids are sleeping on the floor. They're next door, and and it's true. It, the poverty, child bedlessness doesn't know uh, necessarily the paycheck or the uh, the the ecology, not ecology, the um, the environment that that the the family lives in, um, the status that they live in. It doesn't it doesn't care. Um, you know, it, it, it can strike anybody at any time. We have a lot of, you know, a lot of parents, t- typically single moms that escape abusive situations, been living just fine. And all of a sudden they, they've got to get out of the house type thing. And they leave with with whatever they can throw in garbage sacks and, um, and you know, foster care programs and disaster relief where a house burned down or jobs burned down and, and you know, families are destitute and Beds nowadays, even mattresses, they're hundreds and hundreds of dollars. These these families got to worry about eating, let alone sleeping on something comfortable. So it really is a, a, a need, growing need that we've discovered and other people have discovered is right next door. Well, Luke, if folks want to uh, get involved with your ministry and maybe donate, where would they go and how would they do that? Absolutely. You know, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, our website is shpbeds.org. S-H-P. SHP. Okay. Yep. Sam, Harry, Paul, SHP beds, plural.org. And 
the way we set that up, so I remember, guys, this was just going to be a family Christmas project, which then turned into what it is today, uh, which is actually the largest bed building charity in the world. That seems big. Really, I tell everybody it's only because there's very, not very many, which is a sad thing. Um, but we knew that we needed to provide an avenue for people, you know, regular schmoes like this guy here, this farm kid from Idaho, just a regular schmo that wants to help the children in their community. We wanted to provide an avenue so they could do that. And that's what Sleeping Ellie Peace is about. Now, people can start their own chapters. People can, and this all can be found on our website. If you want to donate, when we set this up as a nonprofit, I didn't want to be this big pie in the sky nonprofit where money goes up in the sky and you don't know where it goes and blah, blah, blah. Nope, not in SHP. We do things a lot differently. You can actually select whichever chapter in the country or four different countries we're in. You can select a chapter and you can donate all your money to that chapter. It all goes there. Um, and, and you know, the, the, the materials that are used, the beds that are created, they stay in that local area. And so, um, so you can, you can uh, donate money directly to a chapter. If you have a chapter close by, please, you can contact the chapter president, either become involved. Everybody's always looking for, um, you know, what we call core team members that, that want to be involved in delivering or building the beds. It's super fun. And we accept, you know, twin size uh, donations of brand new mattresses or sheet sets um, is an in-kind donation. And, and, and probably the last thing is, you know, if you know a family, ask, ask people that might, you, you, you never know that they might know of a family. In fact, they might have children sleep on the floor. You don't know. Ask those questions. Try to find out because there is a solution. And, uh, and shpbeds.org, you can apply for a bed. You can apply for a bed for yourself or someone clear across the country. Wow. Luke, great story. Great story. A couple things jump out at me. Uh, your involvement with young men uh, as a youth minister. I, I did the same thing for about 16 years. I'd pick them up in ninth grade and they'd stay with me to 12th grade. And we didn't make beds, uh, but I wish I would have known because I would have put those guys to work. But we did a lot of fun stuff. Uh, but the other thing is scouting. Uh, and were you a scout growing up? I was. Yeah, I never got <laughs> I never got my eagle. I was more of a sports player. So out here in Idaho, I don't know, people do it. But I was I was in a, I was a big fish in a small town. Let's put it that way. And so there was um, almost my entire element. Well, uh, certainly junior high and high school career. There was two weeks of the year that I didn't have a practice or a game. Wow. And so. And, and I was raised by a single mom. So I had a job, I had practice, I had a game. I just didn't have time for scouts. <laughs> yeah, so well, I think I finally made it to, I think I was a life, if you will, but I always enjoyed the scouting program. Well, life is pretty high. That's second highest uh, next to Eagle. So uh, yeah. the reason why I ask is I'm very involved in scouts on oh. both. Uh, right now I'm vice chair for uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Southern Virginia, Northern Georgia. And I get involved in a lot of national programs. And what made me think was your chapters, uh, we probably should hook them up with some scouting units because the scouts are always looking for uh, service projects. You know, we teach them the duty to God, Mm -hmm. duty to country, service to others, and then take care of yourself. So um, what I'm going to do on a national basis, I'm going to see how I can connect you with some people uh, through one of your staff people and see we could provide some help. 
what's funny about that is Sleeping Out of the Peace started out as just a, just a family Christmas project. We were just going to do, and we started out the first couple of years, we just did one build at Christmas time. That's what it was going to be. It was, it was the scouting program. And, and uh, quite frankly, some of my own scouts wanted to use a build as an Eagle Scout project. And so it started, and that's really what kind of got us doing more builds throughout the year. Uh, and now we actually, our chapter presence can go on our dashboard on our, uh, you know, on the back, the back side of our, our, uh, our website. And they, we have an Eagle Scout uh, program because uh, we do a lot of Eagle Scout projects. Sleeping Heavenly Peace does. I, I want to say we probably do 30 or 40 a year, easy, nationwide. Um, so uh, that that part of it on a, on a localized um, level, we do a lot of stuff with the scouting program. But it would be a great program nationwide. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I'm sure I can do some connections on that. Cool. Uh, o- Odell, you say? What you got to say, buddy? You know, Luke, it's interesting when you think about um, – a bed was a luxury for the young lady you talked about. But the real essence is how do you deliver help to people? And you usually see them not at their worst, but at one of their low points and still leave them with dignity because that's so important. Uh, someone who's been a recipient of help as a child, someone who's grown up single mom, also someone who's grown up and got involved in building an agency that helps so many other people. And the whole thing about helping is helping, but leaving the person who we help with their dignity. How did you, how do you handle that? And how do you train folks for that? Cause that's so important. It is. And, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head. I have a saying, or I didn't coin the saying, but, but I use it quite a bit. If you want true joy, you got to stop looking at yourself and find a way to help someone else. And when you do that, the problems that you have, they don't go away, but they seem far less monumentous, right? They seem far less critical. And when we go into these families and we help these families, we always extend the opportunity for them to come and help build beds for the next child. And it's really interesting when we do have those occurrences, you can see the family be, they're extremely satisfied um, number one, because they felt like they paid it forward, right? And, and not not only do we want to build beds for other kids, but we want them to have that same joy of serving others, and just as they've been served, you know. And and really, it gives us an opportunity to provide that for them, and hopefully spark a little bit more into them of, hey, you know what? There are great people out the world. Yeah, I'm at my low point, but there are great people out there that can help us. And you know what? I'm a great person because I can help as well. And that, that kind of confidence, um, that kind of, I don't know what you call it, mental state of mind really, really helps, um, helps those, let's call it depressive situations, um, bring, bring a lot more light to it. And so it's, it's, it's definitely something that we encourage all our applicants to, to be a part of. You know, once uh, we had a son, my, my youngest son, he was out in L.A. Uh, working uh, with this agency and really working hard, trying to get a promotion to move up. And I remember my wife uh, told him that, hey, listen, things are not going well for you. Go volunteer and help someone else who whatever you do for them, they, they can never repay you. So you're not doing it to 
get repaid or doing it for any other reason. And he went down on Skid Row and he would volunteer at agencies down there who would help just homeless. Um, you know, Skid Row in LA is a big deal. And I think that experience helped him so much as exactly what you said that, yes, he had his own problems. Yes, he, he was trying to find employment and move up and everything else. But once he got involved with that nonprofit that never paid him a dime, he just got paid in helping other people. Then he realized as a young man, 20 something years old, you know what? Hey, this ain't as, I don't have it as bad as I think I have. Now, Luke, do y'all ever have like campaigns or drives, uh, anything like that? And how much does it cost? How much does it cost for a family to receive a bed or a bunk bed? Great. Yeah, we, we have a lot of campaigns going on right now. One of them is becoming a bunkhead, the bunkhead club, we call it. So that's a an ongoing $20 a month uh, subscription donation, if you will, to become a bunkhead. Uh, we have a, a, a new program coming out. Well, it's, it's kind of new. We're, we're revamping it called Move for Beds, which is, uh, you know, a way that people, what we found is people wanted to kind of create their own um, uh, fundraising platform, whether it's, hey, I'm going to go run a 5K or I'm going to go walk or I'm going to do, you know, 200 push-ups, a dollar sponsor me, blah, blah, blah. So it's a way that people can um, create, we help them create these campaigns individually. Um, and it's surrounded by, you know, having a healthy body and, and healthy uh, lifestyle. Um, we're, we're coming out with um, Pajamas Across America um, which is kind of piggybacks our national build day, which is bunks across America. Uh, it's the second, second Saturday of every September where all of our chapters build on the same day. We usually build our goal this year is 7,500 beds um, of our 50,000 bed goal each year that happens on one day. And uh, we, so we have a lot of great little programs coming out, but our key program, the ma- the main way that we finance this is uh, we, when we, when we organize a build day and what a build day is, is a, let's say a company in the community wants to provide a service opportunity and team building opportunity for their own employees. Um, and they're welcome to invite the public as well. We just require a $250 donation for every bed that they want to build. Now that donation covers all of the materials, tools, mattresses, beddings, pillows, and delivery of each one of those beds. And so $250 to find a twin size, brand new twin size bed and mattress and sheet, that's hard to do um, and, you know, for, that, for that price. But we can provide all sorts of service opportunities and deliver those beds for $250 each. And, um, and, and so typically, you know, a 10, a 10 bed build is, or 20, 20 bed build is $5,000 donation. And we, we can build beds pretty quick, you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So I know a bill. I know a bill's thinking. Bill's sitting there saying, "Okay, okay. How can we make a difference? How can common ground make a difference?" Bill, what do we have in the coffers, Bill? What can what can we donate? Because you know, there's no need for us to sit here with Luke talking to other people because we have to put our money where our mouth is. What do we need to do, Bill? What, well, what do we I, think, have, Bill? I think. I think. Uh, each of us need to, to buy a bed. And uh, now let me ask you, Luke, uh, do you have an oversized bed for Odell? 
<laughs> you know what? As long as Odell is ages three to 17, we can help him out. <laughs> there you go. So, Luke, I think with my young with my good friend, I said my young friend, my good friend is saying is that Common Ground will be donating $500. Each of wow. us buy a bed, $500 to your organization. Uh, Bill will handle whatever we need to do to kind of go from there. And the good thing about it is, Luke, man, you're just good people, man. You know, that's what we say in South Carolina. Now, I don't know in uh, Twin Falls, uh, Idaho, you know, you talked about fishing is not important. Hunting is not important. You almost lost me there, Luke. You almost lost I'm, me. I'm still around. <laughs> you, you, you know, you almost lost us now because, you know, I'm still looking for that 10-point buck that I hit and wounded uh, years ago. I don't know if he made if he made his way to Idaho from North Carolina mountains or not. But listen, you're going to uh, be receiving that $500 from us very soon um, to kind of just go from there. But man, you know, you're doing things for people who can't pay you back, which is so important because a lot of times we do things, not all, but sometimes we do things for people for connections, networking, and all this kind of stuff. That little baby who had her nest in that corner. What we don't know, but we should know, is that that show of love will be with that young lady when she grows up and she'll be given back for the rest of her life because someone touched her. Bill, what's, what do you talk about, Bill, the, not the aces, that when, when people, what, what is it again, Bill? What's it called? Well, you know, we're getting ready. Look, uh, Odell and I are going to be co-chairs of a, uh, a, a summit. It's called Youth Resilient Summit. And uh, we, we kind of stumbled across this and it's an all day event. It's going to be in Greensboro. Uh, we have a keynote speaker in the morning, Sharon Hurst, who's in charge of uh, child prevent child abuse, North Carolina. It's one chapter in the country. But uh, and then we have breakout sessions with other speakers talking about youth issues. And then we have a lunch meeting, then four more breakout sessions and a closing. So it'll be done in a day. But one of the things that we learned in talking to these folks uh, are these things called ACEs. And I had never heard of it before. Uh, let me give you the 50,000 foot view. Uh, in 2018, the Center for Disease Control uh, with Kaiser Permanente wanted to find out if there was some common denominator between health issues and social issues and, and related to uh, anything. So they did this study and they found, you know, heart disease, uh, hypertension, uh, alcoholism, abuse. Uh, there was a common denominator, and it was called ACEs, acute childhood experiences, not having a bed. Okay, mm-hmm. that's just one. Uh, not enough food, a divorce in the family. They have ten questions, and if you answer that you've had four of them, you're have a ninety percent chance of getting one an illness later on in life. And so the way you prevent, you help a child through this, and it also before the age of seven, uh, is you make them resilient. And there's a number of ways to do that. One is find a caring parent, find a caring person, uh, get them involved in the scouts, have somebody help with a bed. I mean, what you're doing is eliminating an ace that somebody has, maybe a couple. And, And it's making these kids resilient so that downstream, we don't have the problem. So we're fixing, fixing it upstream, 
uh, by helping them when they're younger, giving them a bed. So you're solving an, uh, a number of ACEs and you weren't even aware of it. I'll send you a link to the study. There's a two page summary. I'm not a big reader on, on uh, medical journals because it's a big one, but uh, the two page summary is really good. Um, and there's a couple other uh, papers out on it. So uh, we're, we're Odell and I are going to be doing these uh, summits throughout every major city in North Carolina. And we've gotten people calling us from Florida and Texas saying, hey, would you do one down here? So we're, we're in the process of raising the money to do it. It doesn't cost too much, uh, but it does cost just like a bed costs mm-hmm. 250. But, so, well, but what does it cost? not to have a bed. No. What does it cost when mm-hmm. young kids grow up with all those aces building they're angry and they're frustrated? And Luke made such a good point. He said, at no fault of the child. And a lot of times at no fault of the parent, things happen. So Luke, I take my hat off to you. Um, mm-hmm. Man, you're doing great work, man. You're just doing great mm-hmm. work. And Luke, if someone wants to donate again, can you tell them? And if someone want to request a bed, how did we do the application there also, sir? Yeah, just just go to shpbeds.org, our website. That's where you can apply for a bed for yourself. You can donate to a specific chapter. You know, you can start a, a chapter reown. And, and, and one thing, the last thing I really wanted to say, you know, I was, I was, this is really interesting insight. I I've been doing, I've been doing this for 10 years. I was on a good friend of mine, Mike Rowe. We all know and love Mike Rowe, dirty jobs guy, you know. Oh, yeah. Eagle yeah. Scout. Yeah. He's an Eagle yeah. Scout, by the way. Yeah, he is. In fact, uh, we, we talk about it. I was on a show of his returning the favor, which is on Facebook watch. It's no longer, you got an Emmy for it, but it's no longer on the air. We were, we were episode nine in season two. That's how I first met Mike, but I've since dealt with him and I was on his podcast just a couple weeks ago, actually. And he brought a really good point. If, and this is what I want people to think about when you're sitting at home, you're sitting at home in your bedroom, if you didn't have a bed in that room, what do you call it? You can't call it a bedroom. Mm. You got to call it a room. Mm. And so to complete a child's bedroom, he needs a bed. He or she needs a bed. And Mike Rowe, my good friend, brought this to my attention. And I just, I hung on to that. It really struck me. Because you're right, Bill. We're providing ACEs. I love that concept. It makes a lot of sense. And we've always said in SHP, we say we provide much more than just a bed. It's much more than just a good night's sleep. Amen. And, and if, if people listening today can walk away with one thing, if this is a passion of yours, and if you feel like you can make a difference in and have the time to make the difference in children that live right next door to you, please go to our website, either donate or see how you can start a chapter if there's one not close by you. And we make the process very simple. It, it's time consuming. It's, it's, uh, it's a, you, you run kind of a small business, if you will. But the, the reward is far greater than anything you're going to put into it. And um, because when you see these kids and you see, A, the condition they live in, but then see their faces light up when, B, you bring them a bed, It'll change your life. I promise. Yeah. Amen. You know, and you don't need to have uh, sophisticated tools. You can use pink tools to do it and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it make a difference. How many, how many beds do you think that you've made in those 10 years? Well, I can tell you right now um, it's 100 and 
well, roughly a little over 130,000. Holy cow. Holy yeah, we cow. Build, our goal every year is, is 50,000 beds. Are they all room. bunk beds? Are they all bunk beds? No, they're mostly uh, probably 75% of our beds are delivered single, um, but they can be made into bunk beds. That's how, that's how we, we uh, designed them. And so, yeah, 75, 80% are all singles. Now, if somebody has uh, beds that they're not using and they want, want to donate them, could they donate not the, not the mattresses, but the frames? No, we, we insurance and liability issues. Um, trust me, <laughs> when we first decided we need to get insurance because we didn't want to be sued, <laughs> you know, go to an insurance company and say, hey, we want to provide beds and bunk beds for kids. If you don't get laughed at, then you're lucky. <laughs> and then if you say, hey, we're going to be doing this with volunteers, you get a second laugh. And then the third laugh comes when you tell them the volunteers have no idea how to build furniture. <laughs> so it takes a little bit. It took a while um, to really get a, a design, an approved design um, and our process, uh, you know, so we could get insurance wise. So we, we unfortunately don't accept any, even, even beds, our own beds that have been used, we don't accept in return just for liability reasons. And we only accept brand new uh, material, sheet sets, pillows, mattresses, mostly because, you know, especially in the South, there's a lot of bed bug issues and, and things of that nature that we just don't want to uh, bring any of that liability in, in, into the mix here. So we, um, we supply brand new everything. Now, Odell, you grew up in uh, the projects in Charleston. Were, were beds an issue down there? Do you know? You know kids? You know what? I, I was thinking about it. It wasn't an issue for us. But again, as a child, a lot of what we did was we played. We played. So I'm just sitting here just thinking about so many things that um, Luke is talking about. Um, one of the things, Luke, the mattresses. I remember years ago when I was running a very, very large nonprofit and just the whole thing of people getting mattresses. How did you broker the deal with the mattresses? Oh, mattresses are tough. And if you have, if you've been in the mattress world the last two years, it's extremely tough. If you've noticed mattress prices have in a lot of times quadrupled in price. Um, there's a, there's a, especially on twin size mattresses, there's a, there's a worldwide tariff, um, uh, and anti-dumping laws that have been put in place that really have restricted mattress supply. Ma manufacturers back, uh, you know, in in Asia and across the seas, you know, some of these some of these plants here in the states that re rely on those 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 plants, those those facilities that can produce fifty thousand mattresses a day, uh, or excuse me, a month, wow. uh, excuse me, a month are only are only doing five. And um, so it really, the supply has been cut way, way down. And of course, when supply gets cut down, demand and costs go through the roof. So, you know, we used to be able to supply mattresses at, uh, you know, below $50 uh, as, a, as a cost for us. Those, it's almost doubled just in the last year and a half. So mattresses are extremely difficult, but we have huge sponsors. Um, uh, Lucid Mattress is a, a large sponsor. They provide probably... 70% of all our mattresses, Ashley Home Store um, and Serta Mattress. I got to give a big shout out to them. They donate, not just wow. discount. They donate thousands of mattresses to us every year. 
uh, and that's that's big dollars. I mean, it, it's it's well over a quarter million dollars in in free donated mattresses to SHP, and it 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 really drives our capabilities, our our dollar capabilities to the point where you know we can we can expand. And and if anybody's ever ran a business, and that might be the the biggest thing that I can bring to the whole SHP organization is I know how to run a business. Um, and, and if anybody tells you a nonprofit's not a business, then they're not going to be a nonprofit. Ah, they have no idea. They have no idea. <laughs> you so, know what Luke, I'm saying? <laughs> so, Luke, before I ask you another important thing, nothing is more important than the children. And then I'm going to ask you about the biggest buck you got. But let me let me just uh, share something with the audience. You know, something that we all know. We know this, Bill. We know it. We know it. It says, Silent Night's lyrics. Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm. All is bright. Ground ye virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. And in the black church, we say that again, sleep. And you know, black folk, we put a little longer in there, sleep in heavenly peace. So we know the song, we sing the song, we enjoy the song, but do we do what the song is telling us to do. Luke, my friend, you're doing it. You are doing it. Thank you. Thank you, Odell. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, I'm one guy. We have over 300, and, and not including the teams that those chapter presidents have behind them, they're doing it just as well. And so it, it's, a, it's a big family. We call it the SHP family. It's a big family. Um, and we hope to add more people to the family because it, it's not easy work. It's time consuming. But um, but if you really I mean, if you want to get really down to the nitty gritty of that song. That's building a bed for a very specific child. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a, 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 you have a if you have a beating heart in your chest, whether it's that specific child or any child on the planet, you know, we're going to provide a bed for them if, if they need one. And uh, that's what we're about. Do you get together with your uh, chapters, like a conference or anything? Or I know with COVID probably wasn't practical, but have you ever done that? <laughs> you know, we, we have this, we ha there's 300 of them. So it's, it's a big deal, right? Uh, we, we try to keep our costs way, way down. Um, so a lot of uh, e each, I'm back up. The states are split up in nine different regions. So we have regional support leads that cover each one of those regions. And every month, those regions have what we call a family check-in. And this actually started because of COVID. Um, we used to have one big meeting and it was just getting too big. Um, and we, we found more success training-wise, support-wise, what have you, on a regional level. And so our regional support leads, these nine men and women are amazing people. They dedicate a lot of time each month. They get their region together and they just talk about stories. They talk about problems. They talk about things that need need help. <clears throat> and uh, and then my executive team, you know, is made up of about 30 people. Um, you know, we, we meet together in an annual conference once, um, once a year in November. Um, and we also, uh, of course, we have monthly and quarterly meetings as well um, on a on a virtual basis. Most of the time, um, we do hold trainings. So our what we call NCRs, which is um, new chapter requests, people that want to start chapters, um, they come to our training held in uh, Lehigh, Utah, by Salt Lake, uh, once a quarter. And so uh, you know, between the 
the regional check-ins each month. The uh, we do um, every every quarter we do a big what we call a big family check-in, which everybody uh, comes to the same Zoom meeting. Um, then we have our NCR training that's once a quarter. Uh, and then the, the executive team meeting, man, it seems like we get together all the time and, and it never feels like enough. I'll be honest with you. Just, they're just, that's probably one of the biggest part. We, we talk about this on our, on our podcast, humans helping humans, where I interview most of the time I interview chapter presidents and I want to hear their experiences. And I want people to know, look, these are just regular people like you and I, and this has been their experience and this is what they get out of it. And this is the things that they see. It's an amazing experience to hear these these men and women, just amazing men and women, making a difference in their hometown. In fact, one of one of the uh, really impactful statements I got from this was a chapter president in uh, in Fort Worth, uh, Dallas area. Uh, his name's uh, Bruce Crenshaw, and he's and he was a youth minister for many years, and now he's kind of the stay at home dad, and and <laughs> but he works pretty much full time for SHP, and, and he he says, you know what? One thing we found uh, uh, and one thing we encourage people is if it's not building beds for kids, just do something. And, 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 and it was really impactful. I mean, there's simple words, but really for me, I had to get off the couch and I had to walk to my garage. Yeah. If that's all I had to do, then it was something because something turns into something else. And then something else turns into, you'll have no idea. I call it tiny moments too. You know, we all have these tiny moments. We get a lot of them. And these tiny moments just, they, they seem very small, very insignificant. And they might just encourage you, hey, go next door and knock on your neighbor's house, see how they're doing. Or, you know, or, hey, that car on the side of the road, why don't you stop by and just see if you can help. These tiny moments really shape, can anyways, really shape and turn your life upside down. And for me, building a bed for a child 10 years ago, if you would have told me that my career was going to be in building beds for children 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And now it is my lifelong passion. It is what I get to do every day. And uh, and I'm the happiest man on the planet. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. Uh, Luke, I have a saying that came from uh, Oswald Chambers, trust the Lord and do the next thing. Now, the next thing, you may not know what it is. It may be just walking out to your garage and taking some tools and building a bed. But, you know, trust the Lord and do the next thing. It works out. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? And it's also, since this is a um, podcast that we talk about Christ, Proverbs 19.17 says, you know, when you give to the poor, it's like lending to God and God does repay his debts. So when Luke said that song, Silent Night is about one special person's bed. If you build the bed for the poor, you're building the bed for the Lord and God will repay his debt. Luke, my friend, this has been so powerful as we wrap up. This is just so powerful. Still waiting on that last question. Tell me about that big buck that you got and the one that you got away, my friend. <laughs> the big buck? Yes, oh, one <laughs> Hey, let me tell you something. I, I still hunt and fish. Don't get me wrong. I still go out. <laughs> I do. I'm probably more of a bigger fisherman than I am a hunter. We, we have up here in Idaho called sturgeon. Um, and these, these suckers can get over 10 feet. 
And so uh, we do, I do a lot of, I do a lot of fishing. In fact, I just took a, a friend of mine. He had a son, I actually had a coworker's son who has cerebral palsy and the biggest fish he ever caught was, you know, was a trout, of, you know, probably 18 inches. And so we took, we took him out on the, on the snake river and we caught a seven foot sturgeon for Holy him. Cow. And wow. um, so I do a lot of, I do a lot of fishing and uh, the last buck, I'll just say this, Odell, the last buck I saw with horns. Yeah. He didn't get away, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, hey, I've been to snake river, Idaho. Uh, we have a council there called Twin Falls, and I went there oh, before COVID, and I was uh, working with the council, and uh, the, the it's a big Mormon area in that part of the country. The yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where I live, Twin Falls. Twin Falls, great area. We watch the people jumping off the bridge. Yeah, in it's, fact, so yeah, that's called the Prine Bridge, and when I go sturgeon fishing, I fish, I mean, you can fish right under the bridge, but I take my boat right under the bridge and go back to a place called uh, Pillar Falls, mm-hmm. beautiful area. And uh, that's where I usually take a lot of my, you know, a lot of my friends and people that just want to fish. I, and it's super fun. I, I post on Facebook a lot of times, not so much anymore. I'm really busy right now, but I used to post, hey, if anybody wants to go fishing and catch a sturgeon, just let me know. And so I've taken complete strangers out on on these uh, fishing trips. <laughs> I, I sad to say, I don't know if I should share this on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. You should. You definitely should. Because I'm going to ask you, do you take good looking, slim and trim black guys on the surgery? Because me and Bill's coming up there. You come up. In fact, we have, <clears throat> I had for a brief moment, I had this YouTube channel called Sturginity. Uh-huh. And it was for people that Uh-oh. hadn't got a sturgeon yet. <laughs> there you go. There you, oh, man. That's good. That's close. So. Yeah. So the, the black population in Idaho it's, is going to increase because Odell's coming to go sturgeon fishing and Bill's coming with me. When's a good time? We will definitely make all that happen. You come up anytime. You know, it's funny. The Snake River is just a huge river and, and it's pretty unique. Uh, sturgeon's endangered here. So you can't you can't take them out of the water, which I love because I just want to put them back and re-catch all those big boys. And, and yeah. uh, you know, super fun. But but it's a beautiful area. In fact, we like to tell people don't when you come to Idaho, go back and don't tell anybody about it because it's our <laughs> secret little gem. <laughs> you know, it is um, beautiful. But, it is. And, and, the, and the people here are amazing. You know, one of the really fun things uh, about living in Idaho is, and I learned this um, probably the very first, not the first chapter, the second chapter that was, um, that was ever created outside of Idaho was in Minnesota. And so we flew out to Minnesota to help this new chapter president, uh, Nate Miller, with his first bill. Well, here comes Lowe's, who's our n- number one sponsor. Lowe's and drops the wood off, ready to build, and the wood is all stamped with made not, or from Idaho. And oh, so wow. uh, most of our beds, uh, we like to say, they originally they originally started in Idaho. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. So, Bill, we have to figure out when can we go um, a build, because we can't just go to fish. We have to be involved in a build, a build and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, any last words, Bill? Any last words, Luke? Any last words, Odell? But Bill, you you notice how Luke put it in there? You know, Odell, the last big buck I saw. You know, I, I just I just like that. You remind me of that guy when you play, you know, a sports guy that 
Listen, hey, batter, batter. Here we go. You know, you know when Luke come to the plate, Luke at like Luke ain't going down without swinging. Now that's just the way it is. So, Luke, what was your favorite sports? Or all of them were your favorite sports? Oh, I played them all. You know, Kim, I'm actually from a small town called Kimberly, which is right next to Twin Falls. Um, I mean, I graduated with 69 people. It was a really small town, um, but I played all the sports. My favorite's football. I was a I was a running back, well, quarterback for a while, then running back, linebacker. In fact, I joke around. I, I was one of those guys that never left the field. I punted, kicked, punt, received, kick, received, you know, received kicks. I did the whole nine yards and it was super fun. Uh, but but that and baseball, I just I just love those sports and it, it keeps you busy. Basketball, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, nothing's like serving God and God's people. So the real winning, the real scoring is what you're doing now, because back to the point that you made, when you do for God, that's that's the key. And what you're doing is ministry, my friend. You're doing for people who can't pay you back, but God is keeping the score. So thank you so much for allowing us to share your story with so many other people. And um, let me ask a question. Is it any black people in Twins Fall, Idaho? <laughs> well, Odell, when you show up, you might have to high five the only other black guy as he leaves, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not. There's not very. In fact, you know what's funny is Twin Falls is growing. It's kind of almost a retirement pro uh, uh, community, but um, we have a lot of refugees coming in too. So, I mean, it's a melting pot of all sorts of stuff. I mean, I remember. I remember growing up. There was one black kid uh, from a from a town. We played basketball against him, and of course, he was amazing, but. Um, it was the only black kid I knew growing up. And now they're, they're all, over, they're all over all, all races and, you know, all sorts of wonderful people that, that make this community as neat as it really is. And, uh, and we'd welcome you to have you come up and I'll, I'll put you on a sturgeon. I guarantee it. All right, my friend. Thank you so much, Bill. I, I think it's great. Luke. Thank you very much. Uh, here, my dog's barking. I I'm at the beach. Time to go. Uh, the week, yeah, and I think it's time for me to go. Uh, thanks for for your ministry and sharing what you've done, <clears throat> and uh, I look forward to going out there with uh, with my buddy Odell. It'll be a road trip. I, I, I'll tell you what, the wives are going to want to come because it's a beautiful part of the country, uh, and uh, I can't remember what town I flew in. Maybe it was Billings. Uh, I can't remember, but it was a little bit of a drive to get to Snake River. Idaho, and it was a beautiful drive along the interstate. Uh, yeah. But once you got there, man, there was a great restaurant that overlooked the gorge, and the uh, the ultralights were flying in between the valley, and it was, and you could see yeah. the canoes down. I could see the boats down there. Maybe you were that was one of you fishing. I don't know. Could have been. <laughs> but I right, tell hey. you what, Odell and I are not going to jump off that bridge. Nah, we're not going to do that. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PNL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.